Come on. Strong, the powerful Caleb Silver has returned to Lifeblood. Welcome back, Caleb. It's good to be back, and I feel pretty strong and powerful d- despite the year. I'm feeling blessed and happy to be here. Nice. I like it. Well, we are excited to have you back on. Caleb is the editor-in-chief at SVP of Content for Investopedia, and he is the host of the Investopedia Express podcast. Excited to have you back on. Caleb, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, it's good to be here, and congratulations on your great run uh, podcasting. It's one of the most terrific podcasts out there, and you bring such good guests on, and I'm just honored to be here. So uh, thank you again, George, for having me. I am the editor-in-chief of Investopedia. I've been with the with the company for a little more than five years, and we have had just a, an incredible ride, especially over the last couple of years, but especially over the last year, as you can imagine, with so many people starting to invest for the first time and starting to trade for the first time and starting to get involved as market participants. It has been an unbelievable uh, surge in interest in our content and also in sort of our point of view on the world. We, we've been around as a website for 23 years, George. So in Internet years, that's 230. Um <laughs> But as you know, the world of money and investing has changed so much that we've had to change with it and we've had to really ratchet up our content to answer the questions of the 21st century investor. And I'm sort of sitting in front of that with my team, um, but it's a it's a cool position to be in because we know what people are looking for and we are trying to help them at this sort of critical moment in their lives. Yeah. So many cool opportunities. I mean, we we had our, our first show, which was the 500th episode, and now here we are recording the 1,000th episode on March 5th of 2020, which was right around the time that the pandemic started. So, so many patterns have that. been broken and so many lousy things are happening. But to your point, what an exciting time for the world of investing. So you talk about being there to 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 help serve those investors tell me more about that well nobody walks in very few people walk in the front door of investopedia.com everybody goes there because they are searching for something they have an intention the intention is what is a uh you know what is a short squeeze or how do i start investing with ten thousand dollars or how do i um, diversify my portfolio, right? These are intentional questions. So people are coming in through search engines, through the side back, you know, uh, basement doors to us. And we have, because we've been doing this a long time, a pretty good window on what people are searching for and a pretty good finger on the pulse of how investors are both feeling and behaving. And I write a couple of newsletters every day. We have about four or five daily newsletters reaching about one and a half million people a year ago. Actually, before it was it was February of 2020, we started surveying our newsletter audiences, and these are all active investors at certain stages. Some are white belts, some are black belts, some are green belts. Um, about how they felt, about their sentiment, about their fears, about their anxieties, and about how they were allocating their money. So we've been having this ongoing conversation with our audience about about sentiment. In addition, we see what they're searching for because, like I said, they come in through through the side door. So we have this uh, anxiety index which tracks traffic to fear-based terms, right? What are people looking up in terms of bear markets, corrections, recessions, um, double-dip recessions, foreclosure, forbearance? And we're able to see where that anxiety is. Is it personal finance or is it uh, market-related? And and measure that against what's happening in the market plus our sentiment 
um, surveys that we're doing with our with our readers has given us this incredible window onto behavior and feeling the real feel of actual retail investors putting money to work, and it's been an enormous educational experience uh, in the past year. Yeah, I, I I can only imagine four and a half. Do you say four and a half daily daily newsletters? How how, how? No, four five four to five <laughs> daily. I think there's five daily newsletters now, and they go out to about a million and a half people, and the response rate is very. You know, it's pretty strong on those because, you know, you're not subscribing to an investing newsletter unless yeah. you really want to read it or our term of the day, which is our one of our most popular people have been subscribing to that for, you know, for more than a decade because people like to stay educated and stay informed. But we've really tuned up our daily newsletter. So we are speaking to the moment, talking about things that are happening, but doing it, George, through the educational lens um, that is the DNA of Investopedia. We've never tried to be a business wire. We've never tried to be a, um, you know, chase, uh, you know, Bloomberg and Reuters and the giants. We've never been about that. We've always been about education. And this last year particularly has been an opportunity to re-embrace those roots and approach all of our storytelling and all of our, even our news coverage through the educational lens. What does the educated investor need to know to make decisions here? We're not telling them buy, sell, hold. We're telling them, here's how to think about it. And then you do what you need to do based on your own circumstances, and we try to show them the path to getting there. I, I I love it, and I'm not just saying this, Caleb. But whenever people ask me where can I go to get information about you know investing or getting started, whatever, I always say Investopedia, just because I do find it to be so approachable and accessible. Um, I, I would never say go to XYZ um, just because I think that the way that y'all, the work that you're doing is just what I just said. It is it is approachable. It is consumable and digestible. So as you're going out and, 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 and you're getting input from millions of people, how do you then put that in a filter and sort of come out and say, Here, here's what we're going to be focused on and here's what we're actually going to be reporting and and, and, and and writing on. Right. It's a good question because you can't do everything, but you are defined by your choices. And most people when you say, you know, when you bring up Investopedia or you recommend it or they know it, everybody kind of knows the name again because we've been around a long time, but also we've been useful to people. And the name kind of says it, you know, says it all. You have to get beyond that we're just a definition glossary site that helps you with test prep and get ready for your, your series exams. <laughs> so in the past five years, we've really leaned into, like I said, news, but through the educational lens. Also, uh, helping people understand the way companies react. We're never going to do the or beat the big wires to the Amazon earnings, you know, quick file story. But what we can do is give context around what Amazon was reporting, what's going on inside of its businesses. And then the secondary story for us is how do they make money or how, you know, when a company is about to go public, we try to not cover the IPO and desperately cover the who's underwriting it in the roadshow or the, the direct listing, you know, the details as much as what is this company? How does it make money? Who's behind it? Where does it fit into the industry? Like to break it down very simply like Sesame Street did for me when I was a kid and is still doing all these years later. I think that's the most effective way of educating uh, users. And we're like, like I said, we're not news, so we're not blasting it out extra, extra, read all about it. We're pulling you in because we know what you're searching for. So that, that educational uh, angle is always the one that's worked for us. In terms of what to cover though, um, obviously 
so many new folks are coming into the market for the first time. But think of all the different story narratives we've had in 2020 into 2021. First, the pandemic, you know, the fastest recession, bear markets in history, the fastest recovery in history, then the explosion of these stay-at-home stocks with these new business models. So each one of those is a new opportunity to talk about, um, you know, uh, stay-at-home uh, businesses like a Peloton that really did well through the pandemic or a, a Spotify or a Shopify and really educating folks about that. And then think about what happened, the recovery, the election. You know, there was like 50 stories packed into a year. Sometimes for you sure. wait five years for stories like that. We had them all last year. And then the meme stocks, obviously, with the day trading uh, frenzy around the GameStops of the world and the AMCs, that's another opportunity for us to reframe how new traders who are approaching this for the first time should be thinking about it. So we've launched new channels to do that. I'm on TikTok explaining the very basics of trading and investing um, so that we can, uh, you know, folks who are coming there, and there's a lot of people that are coming there, differentiate ourselves from the cute videos of people telling you what to do with your stimmy checks, but be like, this is actually how you buy shares of a company you can't invest in through fractional shares, or this is how you put a limit order on your trade so you don't get burned if things go the other way. It's a great chance to be basic on a new channel. Yeah, amen. So, I, I I have in my head this image of 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 a newsroom from from back in the day where the where the editor is is yelling at the writers. We got deadlines. We got to get going. And the writer's like, "No, I've got this great story that I'm chasing. I need a little bit more time." What does that look like today? <laughs> it's me chomping a, a chewed up cigar in my office. No lights. You know, four bottles of empty whiskey on the oh. counter and yelling at my writers to give me rewrite. <laughs> sort of like that, but uh, slightly back, different. Opening the door really fast and yelling something out yes. of the newsroom that nobody could understand and slamming the door again and going back in. Just like that. <laughs> what does it really look like? Or It's really more like us looking at what where the traffic is and what people are looking for. Plus, we have some tools that allow us to see kind of what future traffic trends might look like based upon search volume around the things that we care most about, right, which is investing, finance, um, trading, personal finance, retirement, saving for college, all of these, you know, life stage moments for people and their money. We're looking around and seeing what's popping, what's bubbling, both in the news, but also in terms of search volume and traffic and, and what's making noise out there looking at our corpus of content and going, are we, are these answers, even though they may rank number one in Google, they may be the first result, are they really satisfying the question with an answer that helps people so that they will say, ah, I just learned something, I am going to recommend that, or I'm going to do that, or I'm going to see what else they have, uh, and I'm going to continue the learning journey. So there's that. And then, George, what we've done a lot of in the last few years, and this is across DotDash, which is our our parent company, which includes about 13 other sites right now, including The Balance uh, and others, is putting our educational content in what we call journeys. So that if you come in that side door, George, looking for how do I, um, you know, how do I rebalance my portfolio? Well, you're actually in, you read that article, you've come to the article you're looking for, but in the left margin is a bunch of other articles that are in that journey. So it's rebalancing, how to get started rebalancing, what's ways to diversify your portfolio. There's like 20 other things that make sense contextually, not because we just think so, but because editorially as editors, we're like, that was what I would want to see, but also that's what our audience is telling us they're looking for. So matching that up and tying it all together in a 
in an educational journey has become very powerful for us and, and I think very useful for our readers and part of the success of what we do because we're really just trying to answer questions with the best answers possible. So it's really that, looking at where the gaps are, what we have, is it as good as it could be, improving it, spending a ton of budget and time and people resources on making our content the best on the internet um, and then seeing what else we want to cover. And obviously with the new rise of crypto, we want to be all over that with the new, you know, the new traders looking at, you know, a lot of these meme stocks and trying different strategies. We want to be across that. But also if you look at what's happening in the political economy, we, there's, you know, there's probably going to be new taxes. There's going to be an infrastructure bill. There's five trillion in stimulus running around. There's endless things to, for us to cover our way, but we can't, it's not like we can just cover everything we want. We have to do it our way, which limits, you know, the amount that we can do. Yeah, I appreciate that. And there's obviously limits to 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 what we as, as human beings are. And I imagine, well, do, do you feel like you're a good steward of your attention? And how do you think about that as you're doing all this stuff and you've, you're, you're, you've, you've launched the new podcast and you're trying to stay on top of everything? How do you think about allocating your attention? Yeah, it's been it's been a real challenge. And I think being working from home, I think, makes it more of a challenge because there is no I'll get to that when I get in in an hour or I got to get home and then I got to have dinner and then I got to deal with that. You got to pull yourself away, you know, I find to, to stop and I can't start early enough in the morning and I can't stop late enough in the evening. But I have to set those limits and and take that time. And, you know, I'm a I'm a news I'm a business news guy. I've been doing this for for 25 years. My comfort zone is chasing news like I love it and I get into it and I'm really good at that and I'm very fast on the turnaround which makes the daily newsletters a nice fit for me you know that's my ability my chance to express myself the podcast is more fun but I get to go a little bit deeper and I get to do a little freestyle even though it horrifies my children um, you know I get to do a little freestyle <laughs> rapping on that uh, but in general I have to really focus on where am I going to have the most impact and the most impact for me as the editor-in-chief is not to tell the editors what to do they're smart enough to know that we have you know we have terrific editors but to make sure we're across the conversation in the way that it's developed out there in the world because I really do feel like trading and investing has changed in, in some ways and also to make sure that we're skating to where the puck's going to quote Gretzky um, so that we're going to be covering the right parts of the way the world is changing and um, also making sure that people in the world know our brand and they know that I'm connected to that brand and the brand is connected to me and that I am, you know, trying to to be the point of view of Investopedia and what that means is really helping people understand money. Yeah, I appreciate that. So Stephen Pressfield's War of Art and he's got some 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 new books out. So he's been in the ether quite a bit as of late. I imagine and I'm just going to. I guess I should just ask ask the question: Do you have time blocked to write, or you just have such finite time that when you have a little bit, that's when you have to write? It's funny. I have my calendar open now, and I'm looking at these chunks where I just said I need 90 minutes there. I know it's not on my calendar. I'm just going to put it there so nobody takes it, um, and I'm going to use that time. But I have you know three or four things that I'm always writing at, at certain points of the day whether it's you know this afternoon's newsletter I see a chart or I see an idea I want to know I want to come back to so I'm dropping that in meanwhile we're working up a survey right through that we just did with our audience so I'm making sure I'm touching that I want to create some charts and graphics because I'm going to be on TV later and I want to make sure that the the producers at the network I'm working with 
have those and they are clean and they have our brand on them for a little brand recognition, but I find that that really helps them. So I'm touching little things all the time and I'm spinning a lot of plates. You know, as the editor in chief, you're kind of doing your thing in a lot of ways, but I do have these products like the two daily newsletters, one that goes out around 8.30 in the morning, one that goes out around 5.30 PM that kind of bookend the content part of the day. And then the podcast is something I work on throughout the course of the week and wrap up on Sunday night and into Monday morning. Um, and then the other stuff is when I can do it, but you have to block, I find you have to block the time. And you know what's weird is, you know, I write a lot every single day. And when I go a few days without writing, I feel like I, I like you've been at the gym for, for a month and then you stop going. You're like, what's happening to my body? I'm shriveling, <laughs> I'm dying here. I'm, I'm, I'm melting. And you find like you need it like oxygen. So I'm addicted to it. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. What do you wish that more people asked you? Uh, I think I, the question that you know I rarely get asked is how how I invest, and um, I don't mind talking about it because as the editor in chief um, of Investopedia, you'd think that I was you know a disciple of Benjamin Graham and or uh, you know Jack you know Swagger or, or somebody. I I don't. I am not a great um, investor in that. I am good in that. I'm boring, but I don't have these you know, uh, interesting dynamic ways of shorting the VWAP. And I don't play like that because I get burned. And I, whenever I've tried to pick stocks, I failed miserably. I, I was famous for picking Lehman Brothers at 20 bucks on its way down to nothing. Um, I picked a few more stocks in the 2008 nine meltdown because I thought I was smarter than everybody else. And I lost a fair amount of money fairly quickly. And like I said, I've been a business journalist forever, so I should be better at it. But I got really good at it by being really boring at it. And so I'm an index fund investor and an ETF investor. Um, I use a financial advisor. I'm a proud client of a great financial advisory firm. And I love working with them because I do know enough to have good informed conversations, but I know enough to know that I can't allocate like they can and I can't think and, and see around corners like they do and also protect me from myself. So I am a boring investor, but I also love uh, you know, working with a good financial advisor because I'm engaged in it and that's how I invest. And, and I learn just like the, just like our audience, when I'm confused, I go to Investopedia or I go to our sister site, the balance, or I'll go to a uh, Bloomberg or one of uh, the great business publishers out, out there to, to get informed. And, and I'm just like everybody else, except I've just been in this game a long time. Love it. Perfect. Well, Caleb, the people are ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? Well, I'm going to borrow it from, uh, from Charlie Munger, who is the vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, Charlie's only about, I think, in his late 90s, um, still sharp as a tack. I heard him speaking the other day at at, uh, at the board meeting for the company he owns. Um, and when I we interviewed Charlie Munger years ago, I used to go to the Warren Buffett meeting out there in Omaha, the, the Berkshire Hathaway meeting out there in Omaha, and try to interview Warren and Charlie. Charlie said something that's always stuck with me, which is, he, he said this, and he was in his late 80s when he said it. He says, I don't have the capacity in my life. No, he said, I don't have room in my life for people who don't have the capacity for change. And he wasn't necessarily talking about employees but he, or, or, or anybody specifically. He was just talking in general about folks who don't have the ability to be flexible and be like water, like Bruce Lee said, and let it flow and find ways so they can change so that they can you know, continue to coexist peacefully with the world and also change their point of view. And I'm, you know, 
in my, I just turned 50 recently and I've never been that stubborn of a person, but also understanding that I have to have the capacity to change as a learner, as a father, as a husband, as a son, as a brother, uh, as a human being with a, you know, who wants to be conscious, uh, you know, wants to spread consciousness and wants to spread education and wants to be helpful. I also have to have the capacity for change. So I learned that from Charlie and I, I want to be around people who have that capacity and who are into it. And I'm trying to be that person too. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets, come on, come on, Caleb, thank you so much for coming back on. Thanks for being the guest on our 1000th episode. Where can people learn more about you? How can people engage with you? I am the easiest person to find uh, at Investopedia. So if you come to Investopedia.com and you look at About Us, you'll find me there. Uh, but I'm really easy to find. I'm on Twitter, at Caleb Silver. I'm on LinkedIn. I said we're on TikTok, the, the Investopedia channel on TikTok. You should check that out and give me some feedback because I need it. Um, <laughs> Uh, but we're on all the social platforms. And then you could subscribe to our newsletters if you want some daily stuff from us. So the Express goes out in the morning, the Market Summit in the afternoon, the Daily in the middle of the day, uh, our term of the day, if you're a chart person, chart advisor. So we have lots of product offerings, but I'm easy to, to find. And you can hit me up. You uh, have been super generous with your platform, George, and we'll have you on the Express soon. But your audience can always find us and hit us up with questions or recommendations of how we can get better. Because, you know, like we said earlier, you don't have to get sick to get better. And we just want to continue to improve and I want to continue to improve as an editor. Amen. If you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Caleb your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to investopedia.com, check out and sign up for the newsletters, check out the Investopedia Express podcast, find Caleb on LinkedIn and Twitter as well. Thanks again, Caleb. Thank you, George. Always good to be with you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together. This episode is brought to you by Money Alignment Academy. If you are looking for a financial wellness platform for your company, your organization, and your employees, check out moneyalignmentacademy.com or click on the link in the notes of the show.